everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Just and the Suffering podcast featuring New York sports talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. we got a good show for you this week. Thanksgiving's coming up, and the sport that is most associated with Thanksgiving is football. So we are going a full football episode this week. There was a crazy amount of great games in week 12, so I decided to bring in the big guns. I brought in Joe Dalizio, our football guy. We haven't heard from him in a while, but... Decided to bring Joe into the studio. We're going to talk about all the action from week 12. That's going to be great. Can't wait to have that conversation. Joe is also going to stick around and do the picks for week number 13. And I had a good week last week. I went 2-1. and one. I'm starting to climb back up. We'll see if that trend continues. Make sure you're locked into the end of the show for this week's two-minute drill, where I will discuss the new NFL 100 show on NFL Network, the reveal of the NFL's all-time team for the 100th anniversary. That episode premiered on Friday night. It was a good show. I have my thoughts about it at the end of the podcast. But we'll get started with this week's opening tip, where we'll get the locals out of the way. We'll discuss the Jets and the Giants first. That's coming up right after this. Pass over the middle in the air, picked off to the end zone. Touchdown, Brian Poole. Derek Carr's record when it's colder conditions, but the fact remains the Jets defensively are putting it to him. All right, we are back with this week's opening tip. That call you just heard courtesy of CBS Sports is Greg Gumbel and Trent Green. Derek Carr on the Raiders throwing a pick six to Brian Poole. Had an incredible one-handed pick on that play, racing into the end zone as the Jets absolutely demolished the Raiders. 34-3 at MetLife Stadium and... I don't know what is happening with this team right now. What the hell's going on out here? Yeah, seriously, what the hell is going on out here? The Jets have just become a completely different beast the last three weeks. I mean, back when they lost to Miami, when everybody wanted the coach fired, that I think now we could say was rock bottom for this franchise. They lost to a team that was winless and tanking. Since then, they have won three straight games. They scored 34 points each of the last three games. The quarterback looks like he's back on track. Darnold has made a bunch of good plays in these last stretch of games. The defense has stepped up, and they are on a three-game winning streak. Words I never thought I would be uttering at any point this season. And as much as it pains me to do this, I have to give some props to Adam Gase here because this was a chip that was going off the rails very, very fast. There was already mutiny with the fan base. They had the planes flying over Manhattan saying, we have to fire Gase now. They internalized everything. They did not let the outside noise come in. They settled down. They won three straight. Now, granted, the first two of that streak were not great. The Giants are terrible, as we'll get to in a minute. The Redskins are worse. But the Raiders coming in yesterday, they're a quality football team. They entered the game in possession of the last wildcard spot in the AFC. They have wins this year over the Indianapolis Colts. They beat the Bears in London. They've beaten teams. And the Jets took it to them from the jump, and that was fantastic. One thing that's underrated with the Jets, their run defense is phenomenal. They are the best in the league against the run. The Raiders rounded out yesterday because their entire offense is based on Josh Jacobs and Derek Carr going to play action off of it. They took Josh Jacobs out of that football game the Jets did. Derek Carr had nowhere to go. And the Jets, they're on a roll right now. And they're alive. Technically, they are alive because the ASC playoff picture stinks. 
It's awful. They are somehow only two games out of a playoff spot by being four and seven. And their schedule, most of the rest of the way, is doable. They have the Bengals in Cincinnati next week, and the Bengals are 0-11. They have the Dolphins coming in here, and I'd be shocked they lost the Dolphins twice. Then they have a short week in Baltimore. It's going to be brutal. But after that, Pittsburgh and their terrible quarterback situation coming into MetLife and at the Bills, who have beaten basically nobody this year of note. Am I saying they're going to make a run to the playoffs? No. Could they easily win three of these five games? Sure. Why not get to seven and nine? You could dream about that because they're playing well enough to do it. The quarterback looks like he's on the right track again, which is great. The defense, the secondary especially. After Terrain Johnson went on IR and Daryl Roberts got hurt, the Jets have been starting Arthur Mollette and Bless Austin at the corners. Those two have been great. Austin in particular looks like he could be a find in the sixth round. He didn't play much in college. He tore his ACL twice for Rutgers. They might have a player there, which would be helpful because they need a lot of help all over the place. They're not making the playoffs. This is definitely progress for the Jets. They looked like a very good football team yesterday. They took a team that needed that game more than they did and wiped the floor with them. That's a very encouraging sign. And again, next week in Cincinnati, it's an 0-11 team. Can't lose that game. At Miami coming in here in two weeks, can't lose that game. There is no reason in the world this team cannot be on a five-game winning streak heading into Baltimore on that Thursday night at 6-7. and seven. There is no reason why. The Jets have shown they're playing better than those two teams they have coming up with them. If you give a five-game winning streak going into that game, the Baltimore game is gravy for the Jets, and then that's a good sign because they could still be mathematically alive, but the fact that we're even having this conversation, big progress after this team was 1-7 a month ago. The same cannot be said for their neighbors in the building, the Giants, who they have gone the complete wrong direction once again. They are outside Cincinnati on the longest losing streak in the league, seven straight games. Yesterday against the Bears, they looked absolutely toothless on offense, and there's a lot of things that went wrong in this game. Number one, you can tell Saquon Barkley is still hurt. He is not He's not right. He could not get anything going yesterday. He only had 17 carries for 59 yards, three and a half a carry. Not doing much in the passing game either. Caught two passes for a yard. Saquon is not right, and that's killing the offense. Daniel Jones could not move the football at all. That's a big problem. I mean, he did throw two touchdown passes, but apart from that, the Giants could do nothing right offensively. Their defense actually made Mitchell Trubisky look decent. And Trubisky is on the hot seat with the Bears fans because they know he's had a terrible year. He somehow managed to complete 25 of 41 passes for 278 yards of a touchdown. He did throw two picks, but enough offense moving for the Bears to win that football game. And the Giants, they are now 2-9. and nine. They are basically putting their coach directly on the hot seat. I would not be shocked if after this year Pat Shermer is gone. And that team is a train wreck. They need help pretty much everywhere. Their offensive line needs help to ensure that Daniel Jones develops properly. They need to get Barkley healthy. Barkley needs to improve his, his pass protection because he's been brutal in that area the last couple of weeks. They need a true number one receiver because they have a nice collection of guys, but nobody's a true number one. Stop the presses. I have to take that guy out of the game plan. Their defense needs a lot of work. The pass rush is anemic. We've seen that ever past couple of years now. And there's a lot of work to be done here. And 
you know Shermer's probably going to get the axe if this team goes 4-12. and 12, And with the way they're playing, can you guarantee they'll beat Miami or the Redskins? They're not beating the Eagles either time. They're not beating Green Bay this week. Those are your other two games. Are you getting one of those, two of those? Because if you end the season on a, at that point, be a 12-game losing streak. Shermer's gone. Is one enough to save his job? Is two enough to save his job? That's the question we have coming up. And if I'm a Giant fan, and we see these reports out yesterday. I wrote about this on the blog this weekend. Reports out now that Jason Garrett, who is also on the hot seat in Dallas, is somebody they would want as the head coach. That would scare the living daylights out of me. And that's a hire I could easily see the Giants making because they could say, you know what? Jason Garrett's a guy who wins consistently. His teams are always in the mix. That's better than we've been the past few years. That would be great. We bring that in here. But I will tell you something. Of all the coaches in this league, I feel like no one is getting less out of their roster right now than Jason Garrett is. They have a quarterback playing out of his mind. They have a top flight receiver in Amari Cooper. They have a great running back in Ezekiel Elliott, who Giant fans, you don't want to hear this. He's better than Saquon. I know you guys don't want to admit this, but he is a better running back all around than Saquon is. They have a very good defense. They have a great offensive line. They're 6-5 and five and can't beat anybody worth a damn. You want that guy as your head coach next year. Granted, he'll get more out of what you have, but there's a cap on Garrett's coaching ability. Jerry Jones made this yesterday. basically said, our issues are coaching. You're hearing that from the owner of the Cowboys who has had basically eternal patience with Jason Garrett, and you're going to say, that's the guy I want to hitch my wagon to? Really, Giant fans? I know the losing is bad for you guys, but you got to be able to do better than that. Jason Garrett is an NFL coach. He's won a couple of division titles. His team has not gotten past the second round of the playoffs in about a decade. And as a franchise, that team has not gotten beyond the second round since the 90s, but that's not all Garrett's fault. The last decade is the Cowboy fans are frustrated, Jerry Jones is frustrated, and you think that he comes to the Giants all of a sudden he's going to put it all together? I don't think so. The Giants have major issues, but I think we're done with them for now. Let's bring Joe in. We'll we'll talk some NFL Week 12, go around the league right after this. That's George Fant, the extra tackle in motion. He can also be a tight end. Oh, little trickery here. Wilson gets it back, looking, airing it deep, going for it. Oh, and he's got it for the touchdown. Malik Turner pulls it in for Seattle. All right, we are back on the Just End the Suffering podcast. That call you just heard, courtesy of Fox Sports' Kevin Burkhart, Russell Wilson's trick play touchdown to help the Seahawks beat the Eagles yesterday. And what was a very, very, very fun Week 12. A lot of big games all around. So when the football signal goes up, this guy answers the call. He's the host of the Sharp Cheddar podcast. He's our NFL guy, Joe DeLuizio. Joe, welcome. How are you? Mike, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm glad I threw the football signal up and you said I got you. Of course, always. Yeah, yeah. You know I'm not going to let you down, Mike. Yeah, so this is a fun week of football. There's so many great games. A lot of good games, yeah. a lot of good action. Um, we're starting, as we go deeper into the season, we're starting to learn more about each team. Yeah, so before we dive into the other games, I talk about the locals at the top of the podcast. Do you have any thoughts on the Jets or Giants you want to get out there? Okay, so with the Giants, I thought they were going to go into Chicago and beat the Bears. Yeah. Um, I think I think the future is bright. I think they have something special with Daniel Jones. 
I think Pat Shermer is the problem here. I think Pat Shermer isn't the right guy to lead Daniel Jones and the New York Giants to where they should be or where they where they want to be. And I don't think that that would have happened right away, no matter who was the head coach there. Um, you know, pair that with the injuries that they've had; it's been tough. Um, but I think with a better guy running the show, this is a better team. Now, let me ask you this question then: You guys need a better guy. The reports out coming out yesterday from Ian Rapport that. They're thinking about Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett gets let go by the Cowboys. I could tell by your reaction there that you don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I don't know if that's the right guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the right guy. That uh, is he a better than Shermer? Yes, I'd like to believe so. But I'll, I'll say this about Jason Garrett. I don't think he gets enough credit, and I think he's constantly being um, mocked for what he does. I don't think he's been given an opportunity to really showcase his play-calling ability with Jerry Jones running the show. I think Jason Garrett has some potential in him as a head coach, no doubt in my mind. Yeah. But the fact that Jerry Jones is there, Jerry Jones is calling the shots in, in Dallas, no matter what anybody tells you. And I think he's just a puppet to, De- to Jerry Jones right now. If Jerry Jones wasn't in the picture, I'd be curious to see what Jason Garrett really has. Yeah, I mean, for me... Nine years is a long time to build a track record, so I kind of feel like, you know what, I think he is what he is at this point. That would be my gut on that. The thing is, though, it's nine years with the same the same owner, obviously, the same guy who we all know wants control, has control, and is always going to demand that control. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying – would that be an upgrade from Shermer? Yeah. But then again, who else, who else would you go out for? I mean, you could do a couple of different ways. I mean, I think if I'm the Giants, I have a prestigious job. I could go try and lure Jim Harbaugh out of Michigan. I feel like he has a good – I mean, he has a he burns hot and he burns fast, but he will get them to be a lot better. He can develop the quarterback. I don't know, though. Do you want to bring Harbaugh in from Michigan when he spent so, you know, the, a few years now away from the, away from the uh, NFL game and hasn't had the success that most people thought he would have had at Michigan? I would just because I feel like he's he's not a college coach. I think he's a pro coach. I think we've seen that at Michigan. I think, like, put him on this team, give him the ability to do his thing, bring the discipline to this team, and just – he saw how quickly he turned the 49ers around when he was there. He took them into a, to the Super Bowl in, like, three years. And he might not last five years of the Giants, but he would bring them a lot closer than they are right now. There's no denying it would yeah. be a, a better option. I just think – I don't think it's very realistic. I think Jim Harbaugh is staying uh, in Michigan. Yeah, that's fair. Mike McCarthy, you know, the one I could throw out there, too, just on the pedigree. I know you're not a big fan of McCarthy at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it has nothing to do with how he, had, he coached the Green Bay Packers, yeah. cough, cough. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if Mike McCarthy is, is the right guy either. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you could, you, you could say that McCarthy had something to do with the development of Aaron Rodgers. Some may argue, though, that Aaron Rodgers is just that talented, and no matter who was there, he was going to be good. Yeah. Uh, I think we spent enough time on the Giants now. I think they've, they've given them more airtime than they deserve for this point of the year. <laughs> let's let's go to, through the games. Let's go a little chronological here. Let's go back to last Thursday. The no co- Jets? I, I asked you about the Jets. You said you, I asked you had any opinions on them. I did the Jets top of the show. What are we doing? Three three games in a row for the Jets now? Yeah, they're hot. They're hot. 34 points a game. 34 points a game. They have a potential to win their next two also against the Bengals and the Dolphins, a five-game win streak. Let me say this real quick. I'll throw this out there. They cannot go to Cincinnati and lose after they win three games in a row, score 34 points a they game. Can't. They, they can't. They cannot. That would be an absolute debacle. 
Like, Adam Gase is slowly creeping out of the dungeon for Jet fans. He goes right back in there if they go with Cincinnati and lose that team. So are you happy with the way that the team is playing, or would you rather see Adam Gase just crash and burn completely? Because now, the more you win, the more likely he's he's, he's staying put and there's well, he's not going anywhere. Christopher has already said, Christopher Johnson already said, he's not going anywhere. So if he's going to be here, why not win and give me a shot that maybe he has figured out the second time around? I respect that. Like, maybe he's gotten something, because apparently there was a meeting a couple weeks ago where Darwin went into his office and apparently went and told him, said, I want to run the offense this way. And Gates apparently had this big ground, so he's like, good, you're learning. Let's run the offense the way you want to run it. Man, they've, it certainly made a difference. Yeah, and that's encouraging. So, if I can, there's no reason they can't have five in a row under the belt by the time they hit the Baltimore for the Ravens. With that, you're 100% correct. All right, let's get to the rest of the league now. We'll go We'll go in chronological order. We'll go on Thursday with that Colt-Texan Colt, game in Houston. The Texans come away with the win there. So what do you think that result means for that AFC South race? Well, I think it's still wide open. Yeah. I don't give it to one specific team. And, I mean, one a team that nobody's really talking about is the Titans, who somehow, some way, making a quarterback switch and putting Ryan Tannehill as their starting quarterback. They're at 6-5 right now. Um but I think these last four weeks are going to be very telling with that division. I was actually surprised that the Texans won this game. I think I still think Indianapolis will win the AFC South. Um, I just think the Texans' defense, uh, excuse me, offensive line issues, is a huge issue which could come back and haunt them, and it has this season plenty of times. Yeah, I just don't trust the Houston Texans. I never have. I never will. I don't think O'Brien's a great coach. I just yeah, think, Bill O'Brien stinks. Yeah, I mean, the Colts have had their number recently. Even without Andrew Luck, they've had, they've had success against them. I mean, they play the Patriots this week. I'm not expecting them to win that game. So. There's, there's no reason why you should go against the Colts right now, considering what Frank Reich has been able to do. No Andrew Luck. You thought, listen, I'm pretty sure most people thought that the Colts would maybe win, um, I don't know, three four games once Andrew Luck said that he was done and he was retiring shocked everybody in the football world the fact that they're playing this well with Jacoby Brissett Frank Wright speaks volumes to what that organization is doing yeah and the Colts better get that division because they're in that dog pile for the AFC wildcard right now and don't forget Raiders have a head-to-head on them tiebreaker Steelers have a head-to-head tiebreaker on them that's not good no definitely not they yeah. that, they need they need the division they need a division. We'll go to Sunday now. We'll start off with that wild game in the Superdome with the Saints and the Panthers. I thought the Saint the Saints were going to run away at that one point. Carolina storms all the way back, tie at thirty one. The kicker misses one on their end, then Breeze goes right down. The Saints win and end. Like, what's our big takeaway out of this game? I've said this since Drew Breeze came back from his thumb injury. I'm not overly enthusiastic when it comes to the Saints, and I thought. That wouldn't be the situation because they played so well under Teddy Bridgewater. I thought, oh, you're getting your Hall of Fame quarterback back. They're going to only be better. And I'm not sure that they're they're much better with Drew Brees. Now, you may be thinking, like, what are you talking about? Like, But look at how well they played with Teddy Bridgewater. And, I mean, you, you look at the odds every week. Yeah. They were disrespected every single week. Yep. Every single week. I took them a couple weeks in a row because I was getting value. A hundred percent. I'm just not impressed with how this team is right now with Drew Brees. I expected them to be at such a higher level. Now, on the flip side for the Panthers, even though they come up with a loss and they drop to five and six, and now their season is kind of spiraling out of control before you know it. Yeah, three straight losses. Three straight losses. Um, 
I think this says a lot about Kyle Allen because I think one of the criticisms about Kyle Allen was the fact that if this if the Panthers get in a shootout, can he play a role in bringing them back? Does he have that potential? And we never really saw Kyle Allen hasn't had that chance to do it, and he did less. He did on Sunday. Yeah, I mean he threw three touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey didn't have a great game. Well, for, for fantasy he did. He got, still got me twenty nine points. I mean, how much did he? I don't think. Okay, so sixty four on the ground, sixty nine. All right, in reception. But in terms of his typical game on the ground, yeah. he wasn't as effective as he usually is. Yeah, Kyle Allen had to do a lot here to get the Panthers to for an opportunity to get back in this game. I think it's a good sign for the future. Yeah, I mean, I'll be encouraged as a Panther fan. I know it's tough to lose that way, and you hope that doesn't send your season spiraling out of control like like they happened last year with them when they lost that game on Thursday night to the Steelers, and they all just spiral completely into nowhere. I will say one well, on the McCaffrey thing real quick. Like, I have him in fantasy. He has just been a kingmaker this year in fantasy football. Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, again, I looked at McCaffrey's – I'll tell you right now. Christian McCaffrey's stat line uh, in the in the loss – 22 carries, 64 yards, one touchdown. Nine receptions, 69 yards, one touchdown. Yeah. Compared to what he does on a weekly basis, that's that's a, that's a down week. It's a down. That's a down week for Christian McCaffrey. It's a hell of a week. Yeah. It's a hell of a week for anybody else. Down week for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And in my fantasy draft, I got him third. So I wanted to thank both uh, Nick D'Alessio and Kevin Lewis who picked one and two in that league for not taking him. I Who'd they take? Uh, Saquon and Kamara. Yikes. That has not worked out for them. No, it definitely hasn't. Yeah, and they've both been traded a couple of times. Those guys. So okay, we'll, well, that says all you need to know. Yeah, so we'll get we'll get let's go we'll say fantasy for next week. I'm doing a fantasy football preview show, playoff preview show next week, so that's gonna be fun. But we'll get to that. We'll go, stick with the real, real football for now. We'll go to Seahawks Eagles. We heard the clip at the top of the segment here. The Seahawks win 17-3 over the Eagles. How much trouble are the Eagles in right now? A lot of trouble. Yeah, the Eagles are in a lot of trouble. They're banged up. They they can't catch a break at all. And I think they're exactly where we expect them to be, um, a mediocre team. At 5-6 and six right now, they're not doing anything special. But they're started, there's, there's legit concern and worry when it comes to Carson Wentz now. Yeah. Yeah, he's not been good. He hasn't been good. And, again, here's another guy that you was on pace for an MVP season, blows out his knee. Nick Foles comes in. They win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Carson Wentz comes back. And you expect, all right, here we go. We got our guy back, and he just hasn't been good. No, and people, in case people forgot, Nick Foles took in the playoffs last year. It wasn't Carson Wentz. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's uh, if I'm an Eagles fan, I am concerned. Um, I expected better. But at the same time, NFC East is up for grabs. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I think the Cowboys are the most talented team, but their loss in New England, that doesn't help them. It o- keeps the division wide open. Eight and eight, nine and seven wins you that division. So yeah, you have to sh- finish strong if you're Philly. But you know it's not out of the question. But I would be worried if I was an Eagles fan. I would be worried too. The one thing that helps the Eagles fans, the schedule is really soft for them. They have the Giants twice in there. They have the Dolphins this week. They have the Redskins in there. The and then they have the game against Dallas week sixteen. So a hundred percent. They could. I mean, if they get the Dallas game, there's no reason they can't run the table. The talent they have compared to those teams they're playing. I I totally agree with that. I um, if we're playing the schedule game, I could see them losing to Dallas, and then splitting with the Giants though. Well, if they lose to Dallas, the division's over because they'll Dallas have to sweep on them. Correct. Yeah. And no end. The way the NFC picture is going right now, um, 
two teams are coming from the NFC North at this rate. Two from the West. Two from the West. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're getting. It's also it's hard to believe. Also, we begin this year. Who would have thought at the beginning of this season that the best quarterback in the NFC would be Dak Prescott? Kudos to Kellen Moore because yeah. whatever yeah. Kellen Moore has done in his role yeah. has helped tremendously with Dak. Yeah, I would. I, I'm shocked with how well Dak's playing. I yeah. didn't think he was franchise quarterback material. He certainly is. Yeah, he certainly is. We'll get to them in a minute. Before we do, we'll go to the other Pennsylvania team. We'll do Steelers, Bengals, and. The Steelers survived that game yesterday by the skin of their teeth. They barely beat the the uh, Bengals. They had to make a quarterback change. They benched Mason Rudolph and they put in Delvin Hodges in the, at the second half. He does a touchdown pass to I think James Washington to help put the game away. So the Steelers right now are sitting in that second wild card because the AFC is literally a pile of like dog poop at this point in terms of playoff positioning. Do you think they can get enough out of their quarterback to get in the playoffs? That's a tough one. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um. At six and five, considering what the Steelers have been through this season, losing your future Hall of Fame quarterback, injuries to Juju Smith, injuries to James Conner, injuries on the offensive line, injuries on the defensive side of the ball, like really banged up, they're playing really well. Yeah. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago or months ago at this point, they trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, and everyone's like, you give up a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick? He's been a complete difference maker. So they have pieces on this defense to be good good enough where the offense really doesn't have to do too much. Okay. You know, yeah, they only beat Cincinnati by six and they escape, but a win's a win. You know, when it comes to the division, divisional games, I think anything's up for grabs. A win's a win. They make a quarterback change. They're able to move on. Do they have the best situation at quarterback now? Absolutely not. Um but this is a team that's going to rely on on their defense. And if James Conner could get healthy and they could run the ball in, you know, once it, it's starting to get cold, they run the ball, they have good defense, maybe they make, they get one win, they get into the playoffs. There I don't see them doing much more, though. Yeah, I feel like they're going to be a one and done in the playoffs. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me yeah. at all. Yeah, but, like, the, the AFC, I think it's basically begging for a 9-7 second wild card. Easily. Yeah. Easily. It's completely up to grabs, for grabs. Yeah, let's go to that big game next. We'll go to the Cowboys-Patriots game, and that game was so frustrating to watch if you're a Cowboys fan just because outside of the block punt touchdown, New England could not move the football on offense, and Dallas just even worse. And then they had more talent on the offensive side of the ball. Zeke was not bad in this game. Just Amari Cooper got taken out of the ball game. They did nothing. Like, what is the level of panic right now if you're a Cowboys fan? I don't think there's that much level of panic. Um not for Jerry Jones. <laughs> no, definitely not for Jerry Jones. Um, I, I honestly, I don't think you panic if you're a Dallas fan. I think you you walk away from this one with your heads pretty high up, and you say, you know what, we should have had him. We, we even though we're coming out with a loss, we were the better team that's uh, on on Sunday. Yeah. Um, and I think they use this loss to help them get to get through the rest of the season. Again, Dak's been playing good. It's a good sign that Zeke finally looked. Half decent, you know. He he ended up with close to ninety yards on the ground, something that he hasn't done much this season. Um, I wouldn't panic if I was if I was Dallas at all. Now, New England, you want to talk about the Patriots? I'm not saying you should panic at all because uh, they're ten and one. There's no reason to panic, but there's certainly flaws there. Yeah, like, for the first time in a long time, New England's beatable. Yeah, 
And yeah. if you could get after Brady and knock him around, you have a good chance. Their, their defense is good. There's no denying it. They just can't score. They can't score points. That's a huge problem. I mean, let's be realistic. If Dallas puts up seven someplace in this game, or again, you you mentioned it, the block punt. That block punt doesn't happen. Who knows? Yeah. My, my thing with Dallas, I think, is them. I think it's not a talent. I think it's a coaching issue because I don't think Garrett's getting the most out of that team with, considering that the they have a good defense, they have a good offensive line, they have a number one receiver, they have a franchise quarterback. They're not getting enough out of that team for what they have. I mean, they have the best team they beat in all years, the Eagles. Yeah, you're 100% right with that scene. There's no denying it. They, they, a better a better coach would be helping this Cowboys team, and they're underachieving because of the coach that they have right now. But at the same time, again, we just talked about how open the NFC East is. Um, there, There is room. It could happen. Yeah. It, could, it definitely could happen. Yeah, my thing I point to is like in the fourth quarter yesterday when they had the fourth and six and at the Patriot eleven and with six minutes to go and then they choose to kick instead of go, instead of going for the end zone there. I'm okay, not... but the same thing is with you six minutes to go, right? Yeah. So if they this this is how these these plays work though, right? Yeah. If um if you go for it on fourth down, yeah, and you don't get it, you're like, oh, he's an idiot. But if they get it, he's praised. Or if they kick the field goal, he's praised. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's tough to gauge that. Like, personally, at that point, I would have probably took the points. Yeah. You're having having a tough time scoring. Both teams are having a tough time moving down the field. Let's get as close as we can to where they are. Yeah, my counter to that is, like, having watched that game, I felt like situation-wise, like, Wing was not moving the ball, and they were going into the wind that direction. So even if you're stopped, they have at their 11. They're not getting very far. You're getting the ball back around midfield, got like about like three minutes to go, and you have another shot at it anyway. Uh, and it makes sense. That's a good argument. At the same time, though, be, you know, I'll go back to it. Nobody's scoring in this game. Yeah. When the points come, you, t- you got to take them. Yeah. You take them, and then you, you rely on that defense. Whether the whether the Patriots get the ball at the their own 11 or their own 25, yeah, you're giving them more space to march down the field, but you're going to rely on your defense, which has been in it all game. Yeah, and we'll get to our last game of the week, the Sunday night between the 49ers and the Packers. Joe and I would have loved to talk about— Why do we have to talk about this game? We have to talk about it. Joe and I would love to talk about uh, Ravens-Rams tonight, but we're recording before it happens, so we can't even give you any attempt at analysis. It'll, it will be fun. Lamar Jackson against the Rams will be great. I think so. Yeah, but we're not going to be able to talk about that. We'll talk about this 49er game as much as Joe doesn't want to. Warriors absolutely crushed this Packers. Absolutely demolished them. And I think that was a big coming out part for the 49ers because they looked like you had no idea they were that good on defense until you watched that game. You're like, wow, they're completely taking Rodgers out of this. So what what was most phenomenal, in my opinion, with that uh, 49ers defense was their front. I mean, these guys are so fast, so quick, so athletic. I was shocked watching them. Yeah. I felt like I was watching them on DVR. Yeah. Fast forwarding. Yeah. That's how quick they move, and they put a number on Green Bay's offensive line. Yeah, and Green Bay lost some players to injury on the offensive line during that game. I think Balaga went down, correct? Yeah, Balaga went down. Um, according to the reports, he escaped uh, a major knee injury and could just be out a couple weeks or be at a week-to-week basis, which is huge because let's just say Alex Light came in, and uh, he was he was brutal. And Coach LaFleur already said it. Um, he's not— guaranteeing that light will continue to play in that role and they're going to try to put out the best five that they can on the offensive line yeah for sure and we'll save the Packers for a minute when we do the picks on this show we'll do all the Packer talk there we'll close down the 49ers another thing I like about the offense that 
so much speed. Whereas the backs, whereas Debo Samuel, or my guy George Kittle, I love that guy. And I mean, they have so much speed on offense. They they make it very easy for Jimmy Garoppolo to make plays. Yeah, I mean, um, if only Jimmy Garoppolo like scrambled a little bit more yeah. and was more athletic, they'd be like a Chiefs 2.0 with yeah. a better defense, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the skill players on that team are great. When you have a guy as big and as athletic, uh, with a catch radius that Kittle has, it, it sky's the limit. Yeah. And again, you, you got the speed going across the middle. Man, I, I got to give Lynch a lot of credit because he's turned this this franchise around. Yeah, and George Kittle yesterday apparently was playing that game at least like recovering from a broken bone in his ankle. It happened like two and a half weeks ago. So major- certainly didn't seem like it. Tough guy props to that guy. Oh, without a doubt. And, and you saw the difference in that offense with Kittle, with Sanders, uh, you know, who have been out. They come back in, and they're both making an impact immediately. All right, so, Joe, you want to hang around and do some picks? Whatever you want, Mike, I got. All right, we'll do some picks right after this. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for week 13. Thanksgiving week is finally here. Joe D'Alessio is still with us doing some picks. Joe, let's talk about your Packers first. So, obviously, that was not a great performance on Sunday night. Definitely not. Definitely not, but they've had a very good year. They're in first place in the NFC North. What is the, the biggest key to their success this season? I think the biggest key to their success has been their success running the ball. I think when Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and the combination of these two get going, it opens up the offense. It makes things easier on Aaron Rodgers. It makes things harder on the defense. So I think that's had a uh, a tremendous impact on, on the team's success. I'd also like to say that um, when Green Bay is able to generate pressure from their front four, not the exotic packages, and you see that a lot from Mike Pettin, but when they're able to get natural pr- pressure, I think that's when their defense excels. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, yesterday was not indicative of how they played this season. They played very well, but we saw they have some work to do when they have to go against the NFC's best, so against the 49ers on Sunday night. So what do you think they have to do to take that step to make sure they're the one going to the Super Bowl? Okay, so there's a few things. Um, somebody needs to step up in terms of the wide receiver two position. Uh, you know you got Devontae Adams. He's your clear number one, right? But who who, sh- who is showing up? Who is going to come out? on a consistent basis and and run routes and get open because Geronimo Allison at this point, you know he could drop every third down pass that's thrown to him. MVS, yeah, he's got speed, but it looks like he half the time he doesn't know where the ball is. Um, Jimmy Graham, yeah, big deal. Jake Kumaro, he's on the field, doesn't do much. You've seen a little bit more of Alan Lazard, which is encouraging, but there's no true number two target for this Green Bay Packers offense. And you're seeing it, especially when Rodgers is sitting back there and ha- and actually has time and nobody's getting open. I mean, you expect defenses to double or have an extra guy watching over your number one. So that here comes your opportunity for your twos and your threes to make an impact. And they just haven't made an impact. Yeah, they, that's definitely a problem. I definitely need to get that fixed. Uh, on the defensive side, though, um, they got to cover the middle better. I mean, if you have a half-decent tight end, you're going to beat the Green Bay Packers. They, they can't cover a tight end. Their linebackers are struggling in coverage, um, and that was on full display. Yeah, it was on full display for sure. Although, to be fair, 
I think they are going to go out and absolutely destroy the New York Giants this week because this is a bad, angry football team going on the road again. Have have to go to MetLife. The Giants have lost seven games in a row. I think it's the longest losing streak in the league outside of Cincinnati, and I think it's going to be eight straight. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't foresee any issues or, or problems heading into New York this week. Um, I would like to imagine that they come out strong and firing. I am a little nervous though. Um, going up against Saquon because the 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 rush defense hasn't been the greatest, and if Evan Ingram's healthy, uh, if he torches us down the middle, so he, you don't you want to think that uh, it's a gimme, but nothing's guaranteed in this league. Yes, that's true. But on the Saquon point, like I mean, I've watched a bit of the Giants of late. He's not the same guy right now. He's playing hurt clearly. Yeah, which uh, you know, I'm actually surprised he's still around, still playing. I thought they'd shut him down at this point, but uh, you just never know. Yeah, you do never know. Before we get to the picks, I thought we had some little fun back in right before the season started. We did over unders for the NFL. I went back. I went went to the tapes. I found the results. I will let's go over them for a little bit. You interested? Absolutely. All right, so we'll start with yours. You had your Green Bay Packers over nine wins. You are eight and three right now. I think you could get that one. I think we are. I think we're almost there. Uh, number two, playing tonight, the Baltimore Ravens. You have them under eight and a half wins. They are eight and two. I don't think that's going to work out for you. Yeah, that one was a bad one. I'm sorry, <laughs> Lamar Jackson. I've doubted you. I was on right there with you, though. I said that was a good pick when you made it. Uh, I'm I'm so disappointed in myself and how bad yeah. I thought Lamar Jackson was going to be. Yeah. Never doubt the Raven coaching staff. Clearly. Yeah. Next up, you have the Panthers over seven and a half. They are five and six. That one's still gettable. I think that one's gettable. I th- I am getting a little nervous on this three game skid. Um, they got but but they got the Redskins next yep. week, and then they got Atlanta. So I'm hoping you get your two wins there, and you know, kiss the season goodbye. Chalk up another W. Yeah. Another one. I think you're about to get right. The Browns under nine and a half wins. They are five and six. That seventh loss should be coming soon. I think you are on the way for that one. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that that's hurts me potentially here is they they play the Bengals twice. So, yeah. They also play the Ravens again. They did beat the Ravens one. I don't think it's gonna be twice. I, I don't think so either. Yeah. So, and I I, I actually think they lose against uh Pittsburgh. against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Revenge game for the Steelers. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Your next one was the Eagles over nine and a half. They're five and six. I need to run the table for you to get that one. Yeah, no, not happening. Oh, I think it could happen. If they beat Dallas, they're playing four terrible teams. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just I, I haven't. It, I don't see it in them really with the way that this team has looked over the course of the year. And last but not least, you have the Colts under seven and a half wins. They are six and five, so not looking great there. Def- it, definitely not hitting that one. Did, that, that's on me. I, I didn't think Frank Reich and Jacoby Brissett would be this. Uh, this this crazy tandem. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So you're in the mix there. You got you have a shot like at a four at a three and three four and two kind of deal. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. I started out here. I have I am already on the board. I have a win in the column. I had the L.A. Chargers under nine and a half wins. They're four and seven. Wow, there you go. That was my first pick on the board. I was that's a, a nice one. That was with confidence. I, remember, I was saying I don't know why I'm picking them first. I had a feeling, and they have backed me up. They nailed it. This one has gotten a lot more interesting the last couple of weeks. The Jets over seven. Wow. That was dead three weeks ago. Now they're four and seven. They got Miami. They got Cincinnati. They can get one of Buffalo or the Steelers. They got to push. They get both. I can get a W. That would, uh, you know mm. what? The way the Jets have been playing, I'd be confident right now. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic on the Jets right now. Beat Cincinnati first, though. <laughs> that is a good point. 
you know the Jets are overlooking this game. A hundred percent. Now they're going to get all the press clippings about how great they are, how they smack the Raiders. They'll go out and find a way to lose Cincinnati or something like that. that without a doubt. Okay. That's next one. Another one I should be getting soon. Actually, I could get this one. This is still up in the air a little bit. The Chiefs over 10.5. I think you'll get there. They're 7-4 and four right now. I think you'll get there. Patrick Mahomes is a wizard. It, I think if they could beat New England, I think I got it. I think you're there. Yeah, because New England would probably be the fifth loss. Yeah, yeah, good ones, Mike. I hope you laid a couple shekels down. I did not get to lay the shekels down. Ah. I'm disappointed. The Bears, another one. Bears under nine and a half wins. They are five and six. I love that one. I you know I love that, that one. Would, yeah, and that one I, I might be might be like four for four here potentially. That would be an impressive run. This is where things start to get a little trickier for me. The Steelers over nine wins. They are six and five. That might be a push. It's it's heading towards a push. And this is my loss, and she's probably the worst pick of the season. The San Francisco 49ers under eight victories. Don't feel so bad. Look at me with the Ravens. Yeah, but they were eight. No. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. It isn't that bad. Yeah. The 49ers were 8 and 0 and I number was 8. So I was I lost at the first 9 games they pl- was the games they played. At least they didn't give you like hope. Yeah, they did not give me hope, but let's get to the actual picks challenge here. Our good friend Sandra Rose was in the studio last week. She made some picks. She went 1 and 2 on the week. She the ones she got correct, she had the Bills minus 4 over the Broncos. Nice. That was a runaway. Nice. She laid the 3 with the Raiders in MetLife. We know how that went. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember during this game, I texted her. I said, I don't think you're getting this one when it was 34-3. Yeah, that was a smart text on your <laughs> yeah. behalf. Yeah, I sent her that one. And I had She had your Packers plus three, bought uh-huh. into the Aaron Rodgers, and did not work out. Yeah, for that her. worked out well. I went two and one on the week last week. I had the Colts getting the hook in the three and a half in Houston against Texas. They lost by three, so they covered the number. The one I'm happiest about all year, and I got so much flack for this pick. Tampa Bay plus five in Atlanta against the Falcons. Yeah, that burned me. I took the Falcons. I did not buy the Falcon hype train. Yep, I jumped right on it, and I got hit with it real hard. (laughs) Yeah, so they ran away with that game. That was two for me. I lost with the Steelers. I had them laying the seven in Cincinnati, and then they only won by six. Yeah, that one I'd be annoyed with. I was annoyed that if Delvin Hodges comes in that game sooner, I'd probably get the number, but they didn't. I think so. Yeah, but they did not. So on the year, Team Challengers is 17-18-1. They've been a little, they were hot. They've been hot and cold. Okay. I'm 21 and 15 on the season. So oh, we gotta change that. Yeah, you have. We do have to try and make this more interesting. We gotta change that. Got the stretch because this is. You know the, what that means, right? This means this means I've got, I'm probably gonna go 0 and 3 or go 3 and 0. No, week. I could guarantee you I'm going 0 and 3. <laughs> I could guarantee that. All right. So with that in mind, this is your team of challengers. We're here to try and save the day. So let's go to the picks. You're going to pick number one, and where are you going first? Okay, number one, I am going Pittsburgh at home plus two against Cleveland. Here's a revenge game. It's going to be physical. I don't care who's playing quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they come out, and they come out strong, and they're going to want to fight people, and they're going to want to beat the Browns real bad. The fact that they're underdogs in their home stadium, that's a smack in the face. Give me the Steelers. As Joe Beningo has said throughout the year on WFAN, the Steelers getting points at home, you got to take it. Got to take it. And, I mean, I would stay away from this one for me personally because they burned me two weeks in a row. I'm not going to touch the game, but I understand where you're coming from. Absolutely. Where are you going with the next pick? Okay, my next pick, I, even though I said to watch out for this team because they're quietly playing better with Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback, I am taking the Colts 
at home minus two and a half against the Tennessee Titans. Again, these two teams played earlier in the season. The Colts just escaped on the road with a two-point victory. Uh, the fact that this game is home, the Colts need this game to get back on their feet. They got a tough final stretch. If they want to make the playoffs, they got to win games. This is your perfect game. This is a playoff game, basically, for them. I like the Colts at home. Playoff game for both teams. And I love, one th I love this pick also because the Colts own the Titans. They crush that team regularly. And you're getting a two-and-a-half-point number, which means all, all you need is that field goal win. That's you got it. it. That's it. All you need is a field goal, baby. So you got that one in the books. Where are you going for your third pick of the week? Okay, my third pick of the week, I am going to Jacksonville Jaguars. Sam's team. The Sam DeRosa's team, Jacksonville minus one. Um... They are at home against the Buccaneers. Uh, the Buccaneers have been so hot and cold, and I know that the Jaguars are on a three-game losing streak, and they haven't looked good with Nick Foles and what the hell is going on. They're going to turn it around at home. They got to turn it around. Yeah. Nick Foles needs to come through. He always does, doesn't he? I'm going with the Jaguars minus one. And I love this pick as well because this is a game that you know Tampa's coming in on their high horse that they come out and put this big effort out there to go lay next. 100%. Jameis Winston, three interceptions, guaranteed. I, I rode the Bucks last week. I'm hopping off the wagon this week. They're not, right. they're not doing any if good. If you're not on it, I'm glad. <laughs> All right, that's, those are your picks. My picks are up now. Pick number one, I'm buying the Jet hype train a little bit. I'm taking the Jets, laying the three and a half in Cincinnati against the Bengals this week. I know the Jets, this is a game historically they will find a way to lose. Historically they do, but here's my take on this. Cincinnati is just so atrociously bad, and the one thing they can do on offense is run the football. And the Jets can stop the run the best of anybody in the league. They open only 78 yards a game on the ground. At that point, you're asking Ryan Finley to make plays with only Tyler Boyd as his receiving weapon. I don't like it. I think the Jets will find a way to win this game by a touchdown. Give me the Jets laying a three-and-a-half pick one. I like that one. I'm, I'm feeling confident, but historically, this is the letdown game. This is 100%. I'm, I'm nervous about this one. I am nervous about it, too, but I gotta, you got to risk it to get the biscuit sometimes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's number one. This is another couple. These next two picks are also very risky. Pick number two. I'm going to the Philadelphia Eagles, laying the nine points at home against, in Miami against the Dolphins. That's a lot. For an injured, banged-up team, man, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points, but have you watched the Dolphins play the last two weeks? Oh, I have. They're brutal. They are brutal. The Browns blew them out last week. They got blown out the week before that. Their run of relevance is over. They are not a good football team anymore. They are back into tanking mode. This is a game the Eagles have to get. They cannot afford to lose it. They're going to put a big, big hurt on the Dolphins in Miami. I expect at least a double-digit victory. So give me the Eagles and the nine points. Pick two. Yeah, you know what? I'm nervous about this game for you just because of how we spoke earlier about the Eagles and how they've struggled, how they're injured. You made a good point, though. If the Eagles want their season to continue, they need this one. Yeah. Nine points, though, ooh, that's a lot for me. Like I said, I'm feeling a little risky this week. That's pick number two. Pick number three, I'm taking a dog here. I'm taking the Raiders after getting nine and a half points in Kansas City against the Chiefs. I think they bounce back. I like this game a lot because I think the Raiders are not as bad as they showed us against the Jets last week. And what can't Kansas City do? They cannot stop the run. The Raiders love to run the football with Josh Jacobs. I think he's going to limit possessions. They're going to be in this football game. I think the Chiefs win, but it's not by a lot. Give me the, the Raiders plus nine and a half, pick number three. I like that, especially a divisional game too. This late in the se this late in the season, I'm comfortable with. Those. Give me those points. Give me nearly ten points. Give me nearly ten points with a team that runs the ball against a team that can't stop the run. Without a doubt, I like that a lot. So those so the picks for the week. 
Joe has gone with the Pittsburgh Steelers getting two points at home against the Cleveland Browns, which makes no sense, but whatever. The, Brown, the Browns have had weird numbers all year long. The Colts laying two and a half at home against the Tennessee Titans. And the Jacksonville Jaguars laying a point at home against famous Jameis and the Buccaneers. Laying it. Three and oh, baby. Okay, I am going with the Jets riding the hype train. Three and a half points in Cincinnati against the winless Bengals. The Eagles laying nine big ones against the Dolphins in Miami. And the Raiders getting nine and a half points in Kansas City. Those are your picks for week 13 of Show Me the Money. Next week, we have a brand new voice on the podcast doing picks. My good friend and fellow Iona alum, Nick Frietta, will be coming to the studio next week to do the picks. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so four weeks. This is actually four weeks in a row I had somebody in studio doing picks. I like that. Yeah. Getting a little creative on the uh, producer aspect. Yeah, he reached out to me because his brother was on the podcast a couple weeks ago. He's like, I want to be honest. I'm like, cool, man. You can do the picks. Like, nice. There you go. So I reached out. I texted him this week. I'm like, hey, you want to be up? He's like, absolutely. I'm like, perfect. We'll you come, come on down. We'll hang out. We'll do the picks. That's Always planning ahead. Always got to be playing ahead, and it's going to be a fun spot. Joe, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Two things before I let you go. Number one, Thanksgiving's right around the corner. What is your go-to Thanksgiving food? Oh, I mean, it's simple. Turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes. I don't get cute. I don't, you know, stick to the basics, extra gravy on all the sides, including the turkey, yeah. and away we go. Yeah, I like. I, I respect that. I tend to go more candied sweet potatoes myself. That's- no, no, no candy, nothing. Just give me the mash. Yeah. Give me the regular mash. Give me, uh, give me the stuffing, the turkey, maybe a little Brussels sprouts. I'll get a little veggies yeah. in there. Yeah, you gotta get, you gotta, you're getting a lot of carbs. You gotta get the veggies in there too. A little bit, not much. A little bit. That's thing number one. Thing number two. You want to give everybody a, sh- a chance to find social media and talk a little about your own podcast, the Sharp Sherry Podcast. Yeah. So if you're interested in the Green Bay Packers and you, or maybe your team is playing the Green Bay Packers, check out the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. You can find it on SoundCloud, um, Stitcher, Spotify, all those fun. Uh, podcast apps where I break down the Packers. I give my I have a pick segment as well where I give my three picks of the week. So check it out. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Double Underscore. Don't forget the double. Underscore. Yeah, do not forget that double. Uh, D A L O I S I O. And Giant fans, you're you're playing the Packers week, so might want to check out what Joe has to say about these teams. Yeah, might want to check it out because I will dive into the you know some of the the past matchups that the Pack and the Giants have had. All right, that sounds like fun. And before we move on, before before you take off in the studio, have you checked out yet the NFL's 100th all-time team show on NFL Network? I have not. You should check it out. I will tell you why in the two-minute drill right after this. We are back this week's two-minute drill. That little musical number you just heard was the opening music for the NFL Network's latest historical show, the NFL 100 All-Time Team. As part of the 100th season of the NFL, the league has been putting out a bunch of programming to commemorate the history of the league on NFL Network. I mean, we've already gone through NFL 100 countdowns this year. They've done greatest teams, greatest greatest plays, greatest characters, you name it. They've done about five of these countdowns. Now they are spending the next six weeks on the all-time 100 team. And this was a group that's put together by a Blue Ribbon panel about the 100 best players in league history with some positional breakdowns. They had 12 running backs, 10 quarterbacks. 
uh, six special teamers. The, the full description is on the episode of the show. They also have 10 coaches on the all-time team. And this show basically spends the six weeks revealing the members of the team. The It's a basically a three-person panel. Rich Eisen's the host, the basically the, the face of NFL Network. Chris Collinsworth, Sunday football analyst, in there as well. And the big surprise of the group, Patriot coach Bill Belichick is on this show. He is in the studio. He is breaking down these guys. And the whole setup is really cool. Basically, these guys, they have three tables in the room that spelled that have the numbers 100 for 100. They're sitting around the, one of the zeros to create a round table kind of feel. On their back is a wall, basically, where they put up images of the players as, as they're revealed. So, first one revealed, Jim Brown. They put a plaque of Jim Brown on that wall. Then they go on, so on and so forth. This first show was running backs. They also bring in some of the running backs from the all-time team into the studio to have conversations about stuff. So, these are the running backs that made the team. Jim Brown, Emmett Smith, Eric Dickerson, Barry Sanders, O.J. Simpson, Gail Sayers, Dutch Clark, Steve Van Buren, Lenny Moore, Walter Payton, Marion Motley, and Earl Campbell. That's your dozen running backs. They brought into the show uh, Jim Brown, Emmett Smith, and Barry Sanders into the studio to have conversation about the team, some of this stuff. And you got some great moments right there. Like, there was a point where Bill Belichick was talking to Emmett Smith about how impressed he was by his ability to turn two-yard runs to eight-yard runs. That was kind of cool. I did like that. Another cool part of this show, the Bellistrator, which basically is Belichick using a telestrator to break down film of the players in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. It's basically his area of the expertise for this program because he gets so passionate about these guys, the older school guys. He's a true football historian, and you could tell he wanted to be there. He was thrilled about it, and that was a lot of fun to watch, and I enjoyed that a lot. The other cool part of this thing was they also had a corner of the set that was dedicated to busts from the Hall of Fame. The Pro Football Hall of Fame in Kansas sent them busts of members of the all-time team. We saw Emmett Smith's on display. That was pretty cool. After the show, they had a reaction show on NFL Network. So basically, it's a two-hour block on a Friday. The first hour is the show with Belichick, Eisen, and Collinsworth where they reveal this. The second show is a typical reaction debate kind of show where they bring they have Chris Rose hosting it. They bring in three players from that position group. In this case was running backs. They had LT on there who did not make this team, by the way. Think about that. LaDainian Tomlinson did not make the 100th anniversary team at, for, at running back, which tells you how low that position is. Terrell Davis is there. Maurice Jones-Drew was there. I enjoyed this show a lot. I think if you're a football historian or somebody who just, like, loves the history of the sport, you will get a ton out of this show. I mean, I had not heard of four, all four of the old-time guys they broke down and the way Belichick broke them down the tape and you saw the black-and-white film of them running and doing great things. You're like, okay, I get it. I get why these guys should be there. I understand it. It's pretty cool. The conversations are great. There's a lot of good material here, and I'm excited to see where they go the next couple of weeks. I mean, they reveal a couple of coaches at the time as well. Jim Brown... Not Jim Brown, Paul Brown and Bill Belichick were the first two coaches they revealed. It's a lot of great material here, and I think this is going to be a lot of fun to watch as it progresses. There are five more shows. I don't think you need to watch the reaction show. It's kind of cool because, I mean, they brought Eric Dickerson in for an interview on that one. They brought in Walter Payton's wife for an interview, uh, widow for that one, excuse me. But 
I think the show itself is great. I give it the full stamp of approval. You don't need to watch it on Friday night. Just set your DVR. Get to it at some point. I know people are busy on Friday night. Pop on this show. Give it a shot. I think it'll be great. I think you guys will love it. Check it out. All right, and that will do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Joe Dalizio, for hopping in the studio to break down all the great headlines of the Week 12 of the NFL and doing the NFL picks as well. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my full look at why I think the Giants would be absolutely insane to hire Jason Garrett as their head coach next season, check out the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. Feel free to leave your feedback and star ratings in order to help make this show even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet me with the hashtag progress at the end of this week's show. Again, hashtag progress because the Jets are making some progress, and that's encouraging for me. Next week, we will do a fantasy football preview podcast. That's right, fantasy football playoff preview because we're hitting week 14. Fantasy regular season's done after this weekend. Playoffs are underway. I'm going to be joined in studio by two guests to break it all down. Uh, Alan Pines and Zach Cohn-Douglas of the Fantasy World Podcast. We'll offer some takes on the fantasy football season, what to look for in the playoffs, guys who can help you, all that good stuff. Do some NFL picks and more. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And until then, I hope you had a better week than Panthers fans. Yeah.